Welcome everyone. Good to have you guys here today to come together and worship the Lord and experience Christ and see his word. He said, we're two or more gathered in my name that I'm in the midst. So we know that Jesus is here and that he dwells in the midst of praise. We do things a little bit different here um, normally and uh, we open up the platform for questions and for discussion according to the word of God. The Word of God is the authority in my life and our lives that are here. And we look to God for answers. Man's, man has opinions or trust in his heart, but the Bible says, Cursed is the man who trusts in his own heart. But we trust in the Word of God. I want you to know, according to the Scriptures, that the Lord loves you today. The Lord really loves you. And we think about that sometimes uh, during this time, this season, because... Of what Jesus did for us. The Bible says that he came into his own. His own received him not. He was esteemed. He was lightly esteemed. Stricken and smitten of men. And he came to give life. And to give it more abundantly. He came to free us from the power of darkness. And to prepare us for a place that he's got for us. Jesus says that uh, he gives eternal life to all those that come to him. That you'll never die again. That you'll live forever. And it's through his resurrection that he gives this. The Bible says in John chapter 8 verse 20. It says that he quickens our mortal bodies. As a matter of fact I'm going to turn there in Romans 8. And in verse 11 it says. But if the spirit of him. That raised up Jesus from the dead. Dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The important thing is, is to be ready for the resurrection of Christ. So that when that day comes, the Bible says that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. To be judged for those things that we've done in the body, whether they be good or evil. And that's the second Corinthians chapter five. It's, you want to be ready for that. Because the Lord said when he, when he, after he was crucified in John 14, he says this. <clears throat> verse four, chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He said, I'm going somewhere, and I, I want you to come, and I want you to be with me, because I'm preparing a place for you. My, in my Father's house are many mansions. He says, and I go and prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also, and where and I go, you know the way. And he said, right after he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the book of um, Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had resurrected, he appeared to his disciples. Luke wrote the book of Acts, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with the book of Luke. And when Jesus told, and Jesus told him in the book of Luke, he said, I want you to wait here in Jerusalem, because he spoke of a promise that would come upon you after his resurrection. He spoke of the promise of the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He will teach you all things. He'll bring you all, all things to remembrance. And he'll give a power to you. A power to overcome. 
And in Acts chapter 1, uh, they were waiting there in Jerusalem. They'd been there a while. Uh, they'd been seeing the Lord for 40 days after his resurrection. And being, verse 4 of chapter 1 of Acts, it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. The promise was spoken of in John 14 and chapter 15. The promise of the, of the Holy Spirit that would lead you and guide you to all truth, that would be with you always, that the Holy Spirit would live in you. Before the Holy Spirit was kind of on the outside, but now he says, after my death, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to live in you. And then if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then I and my Father will come and live in you. And 1 John 4, 4, it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world to overcome the enemy. Because you do have an enemy that wants your soul. And, they, and, and verse 4 says, they were to similarly waited on, on uh, on, on the Father, the promise of the Father, and, and he says, "For truly, John baptized you with water, but he shall be, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence." When they therefore would come together, they asked of him, saying, "Lord, will thou this time restore the kingdom?" And the Lord said, "It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which your Father has put in His own power, but you shall receive power after that that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witness of me in Jerusalem, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth." And when he had spoken these things, take note, while they, while they were looking at him, he was taken up. Can you imagine him standing there, and they're looking at Jesus, and he's telling them all this, and then all of a sudden they see him just coming up off the ground. You know, and they're looking at him, and uh, he's taken up into the clouds, and they're watching all the way up, and he's going up, and then he disappears in the clouds. Wow. That'd be quite an experience to see that, right? I mean... A uh, uh, Christian here, he, he goes on top of the machines, but this but Jesus is going in the clouds. You're going to have to get a lot higher than that, Christian. So, uh, but, but he's taken up, and he stood, and, and uh, while he was, while he was received up, uh, and, and he ended up being out of there, so they couldn't see him anymore, they, looked, they, they kept looking, man, and they're looking up there, you know, like, wow, look, look at what, wow, Jesus just flew in the sky. And he said, we're going to get a body just like he gets, just like he got when we die uh, when we're taken away, we're going to get a, the Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These, these bodies don't go to heaven. But he's going to give you a new body. There you go. See, that foot won't hurt anymore. He's going to give you a new body. And with this new body, he said, this corruption is going to put on incorruption. This mortal is going to put on immortality. It's going to be a celestial body, a heavenly body. And with this body, you're going to be able to fly. Because Jesus said you'll, be like, you'll, you'll have a body like his. So you, you just be able to go up. And everybody's like, wow, look at this. You'll be able to go through locked doors. They were, they, the disciples were in, the, in, in this locked place because all the, all the religious people were looking for them and were going to kill them because they were Christians. And they had locked the door. And they're talking. And all of a sudden, Jesus is right there next to them. He walked through the door. And then there were one time they were talking and he disappeared. He said they were talking and they looked around and they oh, he's gone. Because that's what the new body is. And, and, and then he said, he said well, I'm just like you. He says, I, I still have a body that I could eat. So he, he said, you have any fish here or anything? So he eats fish. So the new body could eat if it wanted to eat. He could do all these, all these things with this new body that you're going to get. You know, when you, if you live for the Lord with all your heart. And then you'll live for eternity with this new body. And you'll never age. You'll, 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 you won't have any wrinkles anymore. We won't have any wrinkles, Larry and Terry. We won't age anymore. And this is what the Lord has to do. But, but they look it up and they look, gazing up in the, into the sky. And, the, and there's, there's two angels standing there and they said to him, this same Jesus, which is taken up from, from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So he said, he's coming back. He's coming back again. 
Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Everybody knows what 1 Thessalonians is right, right before Timothy. And right after, right after Colossians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul writes this to the Thessalonian church in verse 13. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep or that have died, that you saw or not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep or die in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord Jesus shall not prevent them that are asleep. For the Lord himself, he's coming back. Remember what they told him in Acts. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So you see, you're going to fly. Even if you die or you live, you're going to fly up to heaven and meet the Lord in the clouds. Isn't that, isn't that a blessing? It's wonderful, isn't it? You know that uh, we won't age and we'll be with the Lord and, and the Lord's coming back for us. You know, I can't express enough what Jesus did for us as he expresses in his word. The Lord gave his life for you and for me. Um, sometimes you go through life and you might feel that Things are against you and things don't work out right. Well, this is the time in this life, just like John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist? You kind of like John the Baptist. He came in and he was eating locusts and wild honey and, and he was a, kind of a wild man, you know, but he was preparing the way for the Lord. And he said, uh, people needed to get ready for when Jesus comes. And they would come to baptize. He told them to repent. Repent or you'll perish. To turn from your sin and live righteously so that when the Lord comes, you'll be ready to go with the Lord. Now, today in the modern day church, sometimes a lot, most of them, all of them, just, I don't know, have it kind of backwards. They say, well, you come forward, you accept the Lord, you ask the Lord to forgive you, and you're saved. But that's not really what the Bible says. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, if you want to write it down or look at it, it says this. And most of y'all are real familiar with it. Godly sorrow. That's the first thing, okay? The first thing you have to have in your life is godly sorrow. Let's talk about godly sorrow a little bit. Godly sorrow is what? Anybody can tell me? Tell me what godly sorrow is. Cedric? Okay. You ever do something to somebody and like you, you might tap them in the stomach or something and you really hurt them? You know, man, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry. Now, if you turn around and you did it again, you really wasn't sorry, right? Okay, so you, you, you're broken, but when you come and you see what Jesus did for you, when you see how much Jesus loves you, when you see that Jesus say, man, come to me just, just like you are and, and, and turn from your sin and come to me and I will receive you and I will bless you. You know, in this life, so many things and so many people let you down. They break your trust. You get hurt. 
You might have got angry or bitter or what have you. Because you really can't ever really trust another man or woman. But let me tell you about somebody you can trust. And that is Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, he will never leave you. He said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He said, for vain is the help of man. He said, and, and it says in Hebrews 13, he says, I, I will not fear what man shall do to me for the Lord is my helper. How many want the Lord on their side? <laughs> the Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? Man, I want, God will watch your back. But he wants you to put your trust in him. Not another person. And so often man puts his trust in somebody. For instance, uh, it's, a, lot of, a lot of men put their trust in their wife. Or they put their trust in their husband. And then if their wife or their husband does something, they fall apart. Because their trust is in somebody else. Or they put their trust in their job. They lose their job, they fall apart. If they put their trust in somebody else and their person lets them down. But Jesus will never let you down. Now, why would you want to leave a friend like that? Why would you want to have somebody like that that would always love you, always be there for you, that you could always trust what he says to you? And that's what the Lord says. He said this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to figure everything out. Just trust him with all your heart. And he will lead and acknowledge him in all your ways. And he will lead and direct your path. That's a promise from God. Another promise from God. He said, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you'll forsake your sin and follow me, I'll show you mercy. I'll be there for you. The Bible says that you wonderfully and marvelously made in the eyes of the Lord. Don't worry about it when somebody tells you you're just, you're just a misfit. You're just, you're just a mess. You're just this and that. Yeah, we all have been. <laughs> that's, no, that's no secret. We've all messed up. But Jesus looks at you as his creation that he made beautifully, skillfully, and wonderfully made. His love is towards you that come, that come to him. How much did he love you? He laid down his life. He did nothing wrong. He did no sin. But yet he suffered as a sinner. They said John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking. He says, but I come both eating and drinking. They call me a glutton and a wine-bibber, a drunkard. <laughs> Which we know he wasn't. They crucified him on the cross. Spit on his face and mocked him. Said, you saved others, now save yourself while he was on the cross, wagging their head back and forth. Why did he do that? Why did he take such suffering and pain on for you and I? But when you would come, you would have a sacrifice for your sin of the past. That all your sins of the past could be forgiven and washed away. And all he asked you to do is come to him, turn from your sin. Come to him. As he's, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the Lord said this, he says, in John 3, 31, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. 
so also love one another. And he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, by your love one for another. By us esteeming others higher than ourself. Preferring others before ourselves. Laying down our lives for one another. And living for him. And the Bible says, if you'll humble yourself before the Lord, the Lord will exalt you. He'll lift you up. But here, he's talking about coming back again for his people. So the Lord's coming back. The important thing is, is to be ready for when the Lord comes back. And we just talked about godly sorrow. It's a brokenness, right? We were talking about it in, in, in 2 Corinthians 6. When you get godly sorrow enough in your life, and I pray that each person does. You know, when Jesus reappeared to his disciples, the Bible said he opened their understanding to the scriptures. He opened their minds to understand what he did for them, what was the purpose of it, and how much he loved them and the depth that he loved them. And when you come to that realization that, you know what, I messed up. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I messed up big time in the past. I did have made a lot of terrible, bad decisions, bad choices. I don't blame them on anybody. And that's the first place you got to come is you got to realize that you can't blame your sin on what somebody else did. You made a choice. And you made a choice just like I did, most of you, not all of you. And you made bad, bad decisions and you paid for those bad decisions in a bad way. But then you come to the place like, okay, I've had enough. I want, to, I want to live for the Lord. I want to do it God's way. You can try to do it your way and you're going to end up a mess because whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God's not mocked. Or you can choose to do it God's way. And here's God's way. You need a brokenness in your life. You need a humbleness if you haven't had it already where you break before God and say, God, I have messed up. I have missed the mark. And the Bible says in Revelation 21, 27, he says that nothing, no person shall enter the kingdom of heaven with sin in their life. It's got to be on nothing abominable, nothing unclean, nothing but pureness. So unless you're totally clean and washed from all your sin and not sinning anymore, you can't enter. So if you come to that place, you find yourself coming short of that, you need to break before God. You need to humble yourself. James 4, 4, 9 says that. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to me, he says, and I will draw near to you. Be not double-minded. In other words, act one way with some people and another way with somebody else or act one way and, be, and then be somebody else. But act the same always. Not double-minded in and out of God, but one way. And he says, be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to sorrow and your joy to heaviness. Were you broken before God? God, I, need, I remember the Lord doing that with me, a, 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 full, a, a, a godly saw as he in. I, I don't want to miss heaven. I don't want to miss this. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter, um, chapter 28. Verse 13. Proverbs 28. 28. Proverbs verse 13. Good one. 28 what? 13. 
says, he that covers his sin shall not prosper. But he that confesses and forsakes them shall, be, shall have mercy. So he's calling a person to confess your sin. Lord, I messed up. And to forsake them. No more. I'm not doing that anymore. So we get through godly sorrow of a brokenness and seeing that we missed the mark, seeing that we messed up. And then we come to the Lord. And we repent of our sin. So godly sorrow leads to repentance. 2 Corinthians 6.10 Many of you know what repentance is in here. You know what repentance is? You know what, you know what the word repent means? Do you know? Okay. Can you tell him? Anybody, anybody? Can you tell him what repent means? Okay. So it's a change. Huh? Asking forgiveness is good and that's required. It's not, asking for forgiveness is not repentance. It's, it's, it's part of the godly sorrow, you know, of asking the Lord to forgive you. And that's important because he said if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And, so you're asking for it. Admitting you are a sinner can change, your, and change, change from sinning to non-sinning. Do a complete 180. So, so repentance would be from like... Admitting you, are, you got a problem and turning from that. Okay, so, so it'd be like, say, say Larry... Um, if you were in the past, and this is not, it's just not one sin, it's all of them, because, but say you were smoking. Yeah. And say you were just watching on TV and they had a, smoke, a commercial in there, you know, and tell you that smoking was hazardous for your health and known to cause cancer. And you're looking at a commercial and you say, huh, I didn't know it was that bad. And you change your mind and say, you know what? I changed my mind about smoking. So you're not going to smoke anymore, right? Yeah. You change your mind. That's what repentance is. But with repentance is not just one sin, but it's all sin. Where you change your mind and you say, you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done with it. Of all sin. You say, man, that's, oh, no, no, the Lord rewards those who do that. He said, he said, he that confesses, like you said, confesses sin and forsakes them, he will show mercy to you. So forsaking of the sin is repentance, right? Same, same kind of thing, right? Turning, that's right. Turning from one to the other. Huh? Turning from your wicked ways. Uh-huh, good. Turning from your wicked ways, that's right. would be hating sin. That's good, yeah. Yeah, hating. Get where you hate it. Because why? If you really think about it, you really should hate sin because that's what really got you in a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Only reason people sin is because they like to sin more than they like God. Yeah. You know, because they don't want to let go. But once you let go, you know, and you give it to the Lord, then the Lord blesses you. With the power to overcome. So godly sorrow leads to repentance. Now, what if I just have godly sorrow? It says godly sorrow leads to repentance and repentance leads to salvation. What if I have godly sorrow and I leave it at that? Do I have salvation? No. So you, you can be... You can be broken, you can be crying, Cedric, you can be all upset, and you can be like, oh, God, forgive me, and all this stuff, but you leave there and you're the same person and you, because you didn't have repentance. You, did that do any good? <laughs> you, you didn't follow through, right? That's what happened with a lot of people, though. They have godly sorrow, but they never repent. Repent is to change the way you're thinking, to change the way you're living, and walk that through in the Lord. So godly sorrow leads to repentance. Repentance leads to salvation. You can't skip that. Jesus preached a message of repentance. 
He said in Luke chapter 3, he says, repent or you shall likewise perish. So how important is repentance? <laughs> if you don't do it, you're going to perish. perish. Perish means that you're going to spend eternity in hell. Die. Huh? Die. Die. Well, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Listen to me. The Lord didn't make hell for you. He made it for the devil and his angels, the Bible says. Man has enlarged hell. Why? Because he wants to do it his way. Most of the world, including the modern day church today, has gone their own way. They believe that you will sin until the day you die. That's a false teaching from what Jesus said. Can you imagine a Jesus, a, a, a God that would tell you, um, okay, just turn your Bible, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Oh, while you're there, I want to tell you some other stuff. 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> Verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Right? Everybody agree with that. And that he was risen, and that, and that uh, according to scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, which is Peter, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. So it's 500 people witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 500, over 500 people saw Jesus after he had risen from the dead. Now, a lot of people say, well, I believe Muhammad, I believe this. Jesus is the only one who professes he rose from the dead, and he has witnesses galore that saw him after he rose from the dead. And that's what we're celebrating today, a lot of us, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Right? So there's no doubt that he resurrected. He was witnessed by these 500 people and many others. And it says of whom the greater part remain unto this present, unto the present day that Paul was living, but some have died. After that, he was seen of James and of the, all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, one born out of time. For I'm least of the apostles, not me to be called an apostle. Going down, verse 11. Wherefore, whether we're out of day, so we preached and so we, we believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there's no resurrection of the dead? See, if Christ was raised from the dead, that means that we're going to be raised from the dead because we are in his life. He quickens our mortal bodies. We're going to be raised also in that we follow him. And it says that for if, if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you're yet in your sins. Then they also which are, have died in Christ are all perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of, of them that slept. That slept. For in Adam all, all men have died, and, but through Christ it was a resurrection of life. Now turn your page. Yes. Maybe. Maybe you're on the same page. I want you to go to um, verse 33. Be not deceived. Evil com communications corrupt good morals. That means bad company corrupts good morals. Who can tell me what that means? 
Ben? Hanging out with a bunch of people that aren't strong believers. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever done that before? How, how did it work out? Not so great. <laughs> Not so great. I ended up doing what they were doing. Huh? I ended up doing what they were doing. There you go. That's right. You ever done that? Yeah. How did it work out? I was trying to influence them. And, and you got influenced. Yeah. Old friends bring back old sins. <laughs> That's your quote, man. <laughs> ben got a quote over there. Bad company corrupts good morals. So who do you want to hang around with? Strong believers in Christ. Amen? There's another scripture in 2 Corinthians says the same thing if you ever want to go back to it. It says, what, what kind of friendship is a believer with an unbeliever? It's bad company corrupts good morals. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Let's go to the next verse. This one might surprise you. Awake to righteousness and sin not. What does that mean? It means wake up. Start working, start working righteous, holy, blameless. And what does sin not mean? <laughs> that means don't sin, right? Wake to righteousness and quit sinning. Man, that's kind of strong. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to you, shame. Now let me ask you a question. Everybody says, well, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. And maybe nobody is perfect in in. You know, like, um, you know, having all knowledge, you know, but in, in, you know, being really intellectual and all that kind of stuff. But that's not really what he's talking about. He's talking about uh, what the scripture is talking about is a moral righteousness. Like you're morally doing the right thing. What does that mean? That means um, like um, you're obeying what God says to do and not to do. That's why he says the right to rise, you quit sinning. Okay, so. So if I was going to obey what this commandment said to me, okay, that's what the Bible said. The Bible said quit sinning. All right? Let's make it simple, right? Okay? You, you follow me? What First Corinthians 15, 34. Let's break this down. Awake to righteousness. Wake up. Quit doing what you're doing. Start doing righteousness and quit sinning. Okay, now, everybody will tell you, a lot of people in the world will tell you, well, you can't quit sinning. You ever heard that? Anybody heard that before? Okay. You can't quit sinning. I mean, then you ask, well, why? Well, you're human. Is that what they say, right? Well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, you're born with a sin nature. No, you're not. You have a choice. You have a choice. You may have made a choice in the past to go the wrong way and to sin because that's what you wanted or I wanted. But now you have a choice to quit. Would you have a God that told you, knowing that you couldn't quit, and tell you to quit? Some people say, well, he says to try to quit. No, he don't say that. He says, quit sin. He don't say try to quit sin. He says, quit. Like it says in 2 Timothy 2.20, it says, let everyone that names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ depart from sin. <laughs> That's pretty simple. Quit. But you got people saying you can't quit. So the people are saying you can't quit. God's saying quit. Which am I going to listen to? God or all the people? Those people ain't going to get me to heaven, right? They're not going to get me there. 
But God will get me there. He told me he'd take me there. All I have to do is do what he says. But can you imagine having a God that says, quit sinning knowing that you can't. Wow. That'd be kind of a rough God, wouldn't he? Tells you to quit, but, but he knows you can't. That's like a setup. But God tells you to stop. Now, how was Jesus when he came to earth? Did Jesus ever sin? He was resurrected from the dead. The Bible says we celebrate his resurrection and we read in Romans 8, 20. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you. It will quicken your mortal bodies. It will make you alive, it means, to come alive. Now, how were we before? Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Everybody following me okay? You following me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got a question. All right. And, and, and uh, going back to Genesis, how long was it between Adam and Noah? When the Noah, Noah's Ark? A good little while. A good, a good little while. <laughs> you know, a pretty good while. Probably two or three hundred years, four hundred years, something like that. I mean, uh, how many people were on... on how many uh, people were on, on earth when <laughs> we, we looked that up? It is anywhere. Where would we see Jill? It, it, it was maybe 700,000 people, and some say over a million. Uh-huh. So it was still a good many. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question now since you asked me those questions, okay? Right. What was Noah preaching? Huh? What was Noah doing? Noah was uh, building, building a boat. Okay. What for? God told him to. Okay. And what else was he doing? What was he telling the people? Repent. He was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible says, right? Yeah. <laughs> you mean Noah was like the only guy? And he was preaching to 700,000 people and nobody was following him but him? What do you think if you were one of those 700,000 people, how do you think you would feel? You'd feel like Noah was probably wrong, right? I mean, he's the only one saying that, right? I mean, nat- naturally you would think, Majority rules, right? You, you want to do something in the classroom or whatever. You say, hey, guys, let's take a vote, right? Majority wins, right? Well, all of a sudden, you got this one guy saying this is it, and all other ones says it's not it. Majority was wrong. Yeah. And he was a preacher of righteousness, and he's the only one made it on the boat. So don't think that just because everybody doesn't go along with you that you're wrong. Yeah. Nobody went along with Jesus. That's why he got crucified, right? They crucified him. That's what we're celebrating Right now, it's his resurrection. But think about it. Most of the world, other than maybe a couple of people, rejected Jesus. That's why he got hung on the cross. Right? What do you have 12? At one time, he had 70 disciples up to 70, but then they all left him and he ended up having 12. Then one of those was a devil. The Bible says it was better for him not to be born. Judas, remember Judas who betrayed him. So really, he was down to 11, right? But then Thomas, he doubted him and, and said, no, Christ couldn't have risen from the dead. And he, had, he said, unless I touch his side and feel the scars on him, I'm not going to believe that. So that, that puts him down to 10. Peter denied him three times and said, I don't even know him and began to cuss him. So that put him down to nine, right? <laughs> He's getting fewer and fewer. And uh, finally, at the nine, when he went to get crucified out of the Garden of Gethsemane, they all ran off. He ended up with zero. Did they think Jesus was right? Most of them didn't. 
they walked away. Oh, but we celebrate Jesus and we say he's right now. Do you know that the, the, the scribes and Pharisees did the same thing about their fathers that had died, that were righteous, that killed during that time, and then after they died, they all just said he was right. But they were all wrong again. How about, anybody, you remember the story, anybody remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember, you, you know about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Anybody? You know about it? Okay, you know about it. Do you know about it? I'll, I'll tell you if you don't. Don't worry about it. If you don't know, it's fine. There was this place called Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah was filled with homosexuals. Filled with homosexuals and every kind of sin and perversion you want to think about. They were just living it up, doing whatever they wanted to do, sleeping with each other, fornication, adultery, um, lasciviousness, uh, homosexuality. It was, it was rampant. But there was a guy that lived there in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a city. And there was thousands of people that lived there, and, and this one guy's name was Lot. Now, Lot was a just man. He was a righteous man, the Bible says. He was obeying the commandments of God, but it vexed his soul that he lived, and he saw this sin that he lived around, and he was all hurting, like, man, I'm the only one here. They won't listen to me, and I'm trying to tell these people, and they don't listen. And God sent some people to, 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 to Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, he told Lot, he says, I've come to get you out of here because God's getting ready to destroy this city with fire and brimstone. He says, getting ready to rain down from, from heaven, from the skies. It's going to be hell and hailstones, but they're going to be on fire and it's going to light everything up. It's going to burn everything up. You got to get out of here now. Well, they kind of lingered around and then, then some of the homosexuals wanted to get the angels and try to have sex with them. And it was just getting to be a mess. Finally, angels finally pull Lot and his wife and his, and his two daughters out, and they get out of there. But the, but the scripture says that it was told them by the angels, says, whatever you do, don't look back. When you get out of here, when you start walking with Jesus, don't look back. Don't go back. They get out the city, and Lot's wife turns around and looks back at the city as if she felt like, oh, I hate, man, I love that place. I hate leaving home. When she turned around, the Bible says she turned into a pillar of salt. <coughs> it was the end of her. So how many people came out of Sodom and Gomorrah that God rescued that really believed God? A lot. They actually believed they found the site of Sodom and Gomorrah and it's like ash. Yeah, yeah. You know, different, it's yeah. different from everything, everything around it. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. So it didn't take much. But God's calling the people out. He's calling you. 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 He's calling us out to follow him with all of our hearts. To walk in him. And to do his will. Will you be that one that says, okay, I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm not going to follow the crowd. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be separate. Jesus did it for me. He gave his life for me. I, in turn, will live, give, give my life to him. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, we're called no longer to live unto ourselves, but unto him who died for us. We're called to live for Jesus now. And he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are past and all things have become new. And I want to give you a conclusion, a consummation of what we said. Number one thing is, the Lord loves you so much that he gave his own life so that you could have life. 
He shed his blood on that tree and took the pain of the crucifixion and the rejection of all mankind because he cared about you so much. He cared about you more than any person in this world will ever care about you, including your earthly parents, including your siblings, including anybody. There's no one that loves you like the Lord loves you. But he's also a God of judgment. And he gives you the opportunity to have life and to come to him. But if you don't, you choose the other way, then you choose in the wrong direction and you will reap the result of that. The Bible says God is not mocked in Galatians 6. And you may take this lightly, but don't take it lightly. This is very, very, very important. This depends on your whole eternity that awaits you. God calls you to come to him with all of your heart, to leave your sin behind, and to walk with him and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be different. I'm going to walk like the Lord walked for me. He loved you so much. There is judgment coming, and it's coming soon. We live in the last days. We don't have much time left. The Lord has come, did just like with Sodom and Gomorrah, with us, just like in the days of Noah, he's doing it again. He's calling out a few people that will say, you know what? What's really important here? Making a bunch of money, is that what's important? Having a real nice place to live in? Having a bunch of friends? Hanging out? Being a big bodybuilder? What's really important? What's the perspective here? The only thing that's really important, if you don't get everything else, get this. And that is your eternity. That is you living forever, with all your heart for Jesus. And you will reap what you sow. God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you shall die. But if you sow to the Spirit, you shall live for all eternity and have the reward of the eternity. <coughs> you want to take 90 years at best that you may live, or you may die tonight. And wouldn't it be an, a, an awesome thing to stand before God and have had the opportunity to turn around and turn your life over to the Lord and you didn't take that opportunity and it's too late. Because it'll be too late then. Jesus said this, he said, now is the day acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. He said, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You come to me. Walk away from your sin. Walk away from your agenda, which you want in life, and say, Lord, what do you have for me in life? It'll be the best life. Because the Lord knows a whole lot better what we need than what we do ourselves. And when you trust in the Lord and let him direct your path, he will show you. Look, you guys are young people. I know that here tonight. You need, you need guidance. I need a guidance. The Lord said, I'll do that for you. I'll guide you. If you'll trust me, if you'll give me your life, if you'll turn from sin, what all the other young people may be doing, and you be separate and be my, my son, I'm going to take care of you. Because he said, if you'll seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, everything else will be taken care of. Listen to me. Don't let anybody beat you up with words or different things and just, and just say, you know what, that's how I am. Believe the Lord. You're going to suffer persecution as a Christian. People are going to talk bad about you. People are going to say things. And the enemy's going to talk to you and use human guys to come at you and bring you down. But look up to Jesus because he said, you're my creation. You're my son. I'm pleased in you when you walk with me and I'm going to bless you. That's the God of the universe who created everything seen and unseen. Only you can make the decision to change the way you live and to start living for God. I urge you before it's too late because you will remember this day when you go into eternity. It'll be like a video before your face. And you will remember when I told you this day, turn it all over. 
Give it all to Jesus. Study his word. Be in his word. Be a disciple for the Lord. Live for him with all your heart. Like some, some here are doing. They made decisions. Ben was in jail since he was, I don't know, in and out of jail since he was 15 years old. In trouble. In and out. In and out. Now I'm so proud to see that he's living for God with all of his heart. Not interested in a bunch in women like he was before. Not interested in drugs. Not interested in not that he's weird. Not interested in women. He, he wants. He, sure, he wants a wife, but he wants a good relationship. And he knows those dangers now. He knows where to go and not go. He knows what to look at and not look at. He keeps himself from those things. Like Paul said, I keep under my body. I bring it under subjection, lest by any means, after I preach to others, I myself be a castaway. He said in First Corinthians nine. Love the Lord and let the Lord love you. Why do you trust in man? Bible said, cursed is the man who trusts the man. He will let you down. We've been let down in relationships. We've been let down by our children. The children have been let down by their parents. But God will never let you down. Why would you not want that? Live for him with all your heart and turn to him and walk with him. Let God love you in his arms and let's spend eternity together. Amen. Anybody have any questions or comments before close? Everybody good? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the day, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and I will dwell at a table for me surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days all the days of my life surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days all the days of my life Surely goodness and mercy Shall follow me All the days, all the days of my life And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and I will feast at a table spread for me surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days all the days of my life all the days all the days of my life. 
Cedric, would you, oh, somebody, would you pass out those communions real quick, if you don't mind? Take out the little wafer on top. Okay, sure, I'd like you to. The Last Supper before Jesus got crucified and when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, they had a supper. And Jesus lifted up the bread and he said, This is my body. Yeah, for you. I want you to take it and eat it in remembrance of me and what I did for you. Would you now take the bread and eat it? After he had taken the bread, he took the wine and he lifted it up. And he said, this is my blood which I shed for you which is the blood of the New Covenant, the New Testament. As often as you come together, drink it in remembrance of me. My blood be in your blood. Live for me, all that you are. Steve, drink it. Father, thank you so much, God, for today. God, what an amazing word. God, I ask now, God, that you will open up the ears and hearts of your people, God, that they shall be receptive from God. I thank you, God, for putting a gentle spirit in Pastor God, God, to deliver such a well word, God, and I pray we will launch on it for the rest of our life, God. I pray, God, now, God, that we will go out and just share what we've learned today. And I thank you, Father, for what you've given us and, and how clear it was. And I thank you for understanding and knowledge in advance. And I pray, God, in our private time, that we will seek your face and your words that we shall thank find, you, God. And I pray that we will seek you, God, no matter how young we are, no matter how old we are, God. I pray now, God, that we yes. will seek you, God, under any circumstance to find you before it's too late. I thank you, God, for repentance, God. And I pray that God, he saw a real entrance in every heart. Yes. And I pray that it will lead to yes, salvation Lord. in the thank name you, of Jesus Christ, God. For you are the only way, the truth, and yes. the life. Yes. And I pray that your word, Father God, your word only will be the only book that we will trust. Yes. And I pray, God, that yes. we will love our neighbors as ourselves. And we will love uh, them like you love the church. And God, we will love you with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, God. Thank you, Lord. Our will is yours, God. Yes. Have your way in our lives from this day forward. And yes, Lord. shall never be the same. And I pray you will bless Pastor Don and his wife and his house, God. I pray you will cover it, God, with your mercy and your love and protection you know anybody have any special requests i think your your husband is a little sick so we, what's his name reginald, reginald? reginald let's lift up reginald tonight that he's got to go to work tomorrow construction and that the lord would give him grace to be healed and to follow the lord anybody else have any requests on their heart if anybody needs special prayer after this and you want to just meet quietly with me or 
or what a bid, Cedric, or anyone, uh, just we're here for you to be there for you. Amen. Uh, any other request? Anybody else? Everybody good? Okay. I got a guy, Andy. He's going through what he's going through. I'm just, I just, God was just draw. It's hard, man. Your repentance to do something different, you know. And I'm, and I'm so thankful for each one of you. I pray for each one of you daily. Now I'll start praying for y'all daily too. Uh, that uh, God bless you and that you continue. And he said, if you continue my word, you shall know the truth and the truth makes you free. So I'm thankful for all of you. You're such a blessing to me. It's so much better than me just being here by myself. Praising the Lord. It is good, but I'm glad to have you guys. Fellowship is wonderful. You guys are blessed and, and uh, you're always welcome. Sir? I do have an intention to uh, prayer. Um, this is actually the shirt. I was in a fraternity at uh, LSU, and I got out of it. But there's a lot of guys in there that I never lost. Not, I want to pray for them because I love them like brothers. I know them very closely. And okay. I want to pray for them. Yeah, amen. Amen. Well, let's lift these up. Um, Mildred's husband, Jeremy Lord, we lift him up, God, that you would uh, touch his body. Uh, and that, Lord, he, he noted it was you, God, that touched him. And, Lord, that you help him spiritually, Father, to follow you with all of his heart, to trust in you, God. And the young man had been lifted up, God. We ask that you, that you, Lord, cause things to happen in his life. You said that it is the goodness of God to lead a man to repentance, God. So, Lord, cause things to, to work out into their lives, God, that their eyes be open as well as my brother here is in that for those guys in the fraternity, Lord, that they would, that they would be awakened, God, that the, the scales would fall from their eyes and their ears and they'd be able to hear and see and understand the gospel. Lord, as you quicken the understanding of the disciples, Lord, after your resurrection, quicken our minds always to understand fully, God, everything that you have for us. We love you so much, God, adore you and worship you and honor you. We give our lives to you, Lord. We lay them down. For you are worthy, God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to just share a little testimony with you. And a lot of you know it, but I just want to share this. this I want you to hear this because, because it, it really ministered to me. There was a guy who was my best friend when I grew up. And uh, about a few months ago, he called me and very upset. He was crying on the phone. And he said, man, he said, I, I just want to invite you to my funeral. He said, I'm dying. He said, I have um, cancer all over my body. My kidneys have quit working. They're dead. My liver's 90% gone. I got prostate cancer, and the cancer is spread. The doctor gave up hope, and he sent me home to die. He said, I, I, he said my time is probably two weeks at the most. And he said, so I'm preparing everything and getting ready. And uh, I said, well, I'm coming to see you. And he was very upset. I went to his house, and I prayed with him. And... Uh, he was, like he said, he was all prepared. Everybody was ready. And about a week or two went by, and uh, his wife called me, and I thought she was calling me to give me the arrangements for his funeral. But it was him on the other line. And he called me, and he had energy in his voice. Yeah, what? Had energy in his voice. You know, you know, his voice wasn't like down. And I said, Ricky, are you okay? He said, man, he said, uh, God did a miracle. He says, my kidneys were dead and they're alive now. He said, I feel, started feeling better. And I told my wife, I was actually feeling a little better. And she said, let's go to the doctor. I went to the doctor and, and my kidneys came back and started working. My liver started working. He said, now, he says, I feel better and I'm doing better. And I talked to him yesterday. I said, and he said, yeah, he says, I, I'm, I, every day is better, man. It's just getting better and better. And 
God just does such miracles, you know, when you just really trust the Lord, you know, how he does, you know. And, and honestly, I, I told him this. I said, Ricky, I said, I went and I prayed for you, but you, you, got, you guys were so accepting your death that the doctors told you were dying. So I thought, well, he's just going to die, you know. And I didn't even think about God like healing you, you know, and I'm ashamed of that. But God doesn't want you to ever give up. Somebody always pray for them and believe God. We're called to believe God, no matter what the circumstances look like. I want to encourage you this week. You've heard you've heard a lot of word tonight. If you have any questions, call me. But I want to encourage you to make that decision for Christ and say, you know what? I've had enough of the old life. I'm going to live for the Lord. I want God to help me. I want I want to walk with God. I want to I want to make a difference. I want to I want eternal life and make the decision for the Lord and live for Him. Amen. It's great to have you guys. God bless you. Hug somebody's neck. Anyway, all those wrinkles on your face is really making me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> he has a twin, right? <laughs> you crazy, Terry. If you need it, Bobby, you're welcome to have it. All right, sister. I gotta go. I got one. You'll take the effort one too.
for five. I did. 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 I did